Let us pray. Silence in us any voice but your own gracious God. And into that silence speak your word that it might take root and blossom and prosper for Christ's sake. Amen. Friends, our gospel passage will be heard a bit differently this morning in two parts with a kind of conversation in the middle. As we've heard already, Jesus offers an interpretation of his own parable, so we'll hear the parable first, contemplate it for a bit, and then reflect on Jesus' interpretation, allowing it to to kind of interface with our own interpretation. That's what a, a parable does. It invites us to imagine and to interpret, to discern how the Spirit might be speaking to us. So let's listen to the parable which Jesus told from a boat because the crowds were so big on the beach. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And Jesus says, let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what on earth are our listening ears telling us? Alice McKenzie calls this a purposefully confusing parable. And if that's the case, then we have to ask why Jesus was intending to confuse us. Rather than confusing, I think it's intentionally complex. But even then, that doesn't help a whole lot for us, does it? There are three players in the story, or at least there can be understood to be three players. There's the sower, the seeds, and the soil. Now think about the role of each, and think about the role in the ways that all three of those players interact. Now I'm no farmer, nor a gardener, but I know that in order for a plant to grow, whether it's a, a beautiful hydrangea like we're seeing so many of, or a stalk of corn that we're eagerly anticipating, we need someone to plant the seed. Then we need the seed itself. Then we need a place for the seed to be planted. So, sower and seed and soil. Now, of course, there are those ancillary characters in the story. There are the birds, of course. There are the thorns. There's the sun. There's the rain. But you get the point. Sower, seed, and soil. 
Is God the sower? Is Jesus the sower? Are we the seeds? Are we the soil? Are we always the seeds? Are we always the soil? As we have said to our kids at some point along the way, so many questions. Questions for that earliest crowd on the beach. So many questions for us. Does the sower intentionally scatter seeds on bad ground just to see what will happen? And what is that produce, that yield? What crop does the sower intend to grow? So many questions with seemingly an infinite spectrum of answers, including where you might find yourself in the parable at this moment or at any moment, how that parable becomes a fluid presence in your life, not static, that is to say, are there moments or seasons when you are the seed or you are the good soil or one of the versions of the not so good soil? Are there seasons when you feel like you're producing 30 or 60 or 100 times or are there seasons when you feel like the seed that the bird comes down and snatches away? Or are there moments or seasons when you might even be the sower, when you plant something, an experience, a perspective, and sometimes it grows and sometimes it doesn't? So first, the sower. Is the sower inefficient? Incompetent? Throwing the seed wherever and however? Or is the sower extravagant and generous and hopeful? David Ewart writes that for those listening to Jesus, the behavior of the sower is either extremely reckless or extremely generous. They would certainly not be so careless as to waste so much good seed. Seed was sown by hand, Ewart continues, and the farmer would be very careful to make sure that all of his seed landed carefully, not only on the soil, only on the soil where it could grow. So the shock of this parable to that original audience is immediate. Some seeds fell on the path. And if that isn't enough, next some seeds fall on rocky ground, and then some are cast among weeds. When will this waste end? Finally, some seed fall on good soil. Elizabeth Johnson writes that the sower scatters his seed carelessly, recklessly, seemingly wasting much of the seed on ground that holds little promise for a fruitful harvest. She says then, Jesus invests in disciples who look similarly unpromising. He squanders his time with tax collectors and sinners, with lepers, the demon-possessed, and all manner of outcasts. Alice McKenzie writes that if we are to model our own sowing after this sower, we will share Jesus' teachings extravagantly and indiscriminately, not judging which people and places are worthy of them and which are not. That's the sower. Now to the seed. 
Alice McKenzie writes that the seeds the sower sows, which I practice saying, by the way, the seeds the sower sows have no choice in whether they flourish or not. It's all in the quality of the land they land in. If a bird eats you, you're done for. If the ground you're on is rocky, you wither. If the ground you're on is thorny, you're choked. If conditions are not ideal, you cannot yield a harvest by yourself. Perhaps, but that begs a question, I think. A seed can't change on its own, but can it be changed? The impact of soil and rain and sun. Is it blind, dumb luck? Or is it grace that seeds prosper at all? And what does it mean for one seed to fail and another to flourish? Are we the seeds? Or are the seeds Jesus' mission, his vision, peace, and compassion, and justice, and hope? Are we planted, or do we do the planting? What is our crop, and what is our yield? And the soil. Well, commentators have a field day with the image of soil. Elizabeth Johnson asks, who qualifies as good soil? Since soil cannot change herself, she asks, is there any hope for the hardened, rocky, and thorny soil? Are these destined to be unproductive forever? David Ewer writes, in real life, all of us, at one time or another, are all four of the soils. Worn down and downtrodden, hard-hearted and shallow, thorny and stunted by bad luck and bad influences. Rick Morley says, and I resonate with this, they are all within me. And depending on the day or the moment or the circumstance, I end up presenting one or the other. Elizabeth Johnson expands on that thought. If we are honest with ourselves, we can probably find evidence of several kinds of soil in our lives and in our congregations on any given day. If there is any hope for the unpredictive soil, it is that the sower keeps sowing generously, extravagantly, even in the least productive places. Jesus' investment in his disciples shows that he simply will not give up on them in spite of their many failings. And we trust that he will not give up on us either but we'll keep working on whatever is hardened, rocky, or thorny within and among us. Sower, seed, soil, plus those pesky birds, plus the sun and the rain, and the harvest, of course. Jesus told this parable not to confuse, I don't think, but its meaning was complex, it remains complex. It was complex to those first listeners, it remains complex to us. But what this passage does in the middle of this gospel narrative that many don't is share Jesus' own interpretation of it, his explanation. He could tell almost immediately like a preacher having a bad morning, that his followers were unclear and confused. So he offers an explanation and interpretation. Listen to what he says. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So this too is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. How do we interpret Jesus' interpretation? Caroline Lewis writes that this parable is not about how much fruit is produced. It's about the way in which God's word has taken hold in you. It's not a competition about who hears God's words better. It's about what the hearing creates in you. Alice McKenzie says that the invitation, let anyone with ears listen, means that everybody has the ability and the potential to be good soil, but that not everybody uses those abilities and that potential to be good soil. This is about discipleship, that is hearing and accepting and bearing fruit, following the way of Jesus, yielding a bountiful harvest. Yesterday afternoon, a large group of us walked in the Rochester Pride Parade. The parade begins just down the street here and proceeds up Park Avenue. It was a raucous, multi-generational, truly rainbow gathering in every sense of the word. Twice as we were walking, I noted groups of two or three men with signs and bullhorns condemning, and that's not too strong of a word, condemning all that was going on. Now we were particularly problematic to them because we self-identified as a church group. The wages of sin are death, they broadcast to us repeatedly as they kept referring to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, in a different world, or a different moment, I might have joined that argument with these men. In a better, different world, I would have quoted Isaiah, Come, let us reason together, and seen if we might have had a real conversation about God's word and how it bears fruit in the 21st century. But in that moment, I simply smiled and waved and our group marched onward. But I wondered, what was the seed yesterday afternoon? 
And what was the soil? And what is the harvest? I am sure those men believe we are rejecting the seed, the word of God, with a conviction equal to ours, that our more like commitment is made because of the seed, the word of God. And all we can say then is let anyone with ears listen. Let anyone with ears listen. As we, together, and each one of us, seek to hear and understand the word, as we seek to build deep roots in our lives and in the life of this community, as we seek not to be distracted by the cares of the world, as we seek to bear fruit, fruit that is peace, hope, love, joy, justice, reconciliation, all of it, all of it to the glory of an extravagant and generous God. Amen.